Hello friends and welcome to the show. Well, 2020 has hit us right between the eyes and it's raised all kinds of new problems and challenges. Now, the good news is for every problem and challenge we face, we come up with solutions. But there's one that you're probably struggling with now as the boss and maybe we can give you a solution today. How do we keep remote workers from failing? It's a totally different situation. Some people are doing well, others are really struggling. Well, we're not going to leave you in the lurch there. We're going to give you some tools for that. And so our guest today is Jennifer Lee. Jennifer was on my sister podcast about a year ago. Her expertise is in employee assessments, but she's taken a focused interest in remote work. So she'll give us strategies today on how to identify when workers are struggling. More importantly, how to rescue them. So let's quit talking about her. Let's talk to her. You know what to do. Buckle up. It's time to roll. Welcome to the Boss Builder Podcast. So Jennifer, let's talk about remote workers. What prompted you to take an interest in this topic? I was in a meeting and we were talking about how assessments are traditionally used to hire people and or maybe uh, develop people, you know, increase performance. And we were all talking about the fact that now we have good managers or successful managers and, and successful workers thrown into a new environment. Uh, and and this remote environment is now going to be causing them to struggle. And we in the, the comp- one of the companies I, I work with um, in, in assessments, we said, well, we should really address the remote worker market that's happening. This was about six weeks ago, because probably two thirds of those workers previously very successful are now struggling. And without any help, a third of them are probably going to fail. So we sort of started building an airplane while it was flying and saying, okay, what can we do with reports to give people information? You know, I'm all about people analytics to make decisions and and management uh, choices. So how can we help a remote workforce that's got some challenges that they have never had before, managers who have to manage them with challenges they've never had before? And uh, we, you know, Best Work Data, which is the company um, that came out with this product, um, is has invented this remote worker report. Well, take us back a little bit. So we had you on the show over a year ago and the topic was assessments. Let's revisit that because I want to find out how that has now changed the way you're doing things. So what do the assessments do that you are helping to use? And and then let's kind of build on, okay, how is that affecting the virtual environment? Okay, thanks. And um, and thanks again for having me back. I should probably have said that because, uh, you know, I always love hanging with you from the first day I met you. I've been a, a, a boss builder groupie. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. That's great. There's one of you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, when you think of the word assessment, it just means information. And I got into assessments. I may have shared last time we were together because I came out, went on my own as a consultant trainer and was training salespeople. And sadly, some many people in the room should never have been in sales and therefore training wasn't going to work. And I, I thought for business sake, for my sake and for the employee working really hard, how do we, how do we not have them fail even with training and assessments with my um, diagnostic background as, as I was 
trained as a pharmacist, my diagnostic background, wanted something tangible that we could measure people. Assessments just means gathering information on. So I just got into the assessment industry um, when it was starting out. I, I loved the information that we could blend with our what we're seeing and what we know about the people. And I think assessments, I mean, they continue to grow most companies, and I don't know if this, it's a high percentage of big companies do a lot of assessments. It's sometimes the small businesses that have never gotten access or knowledge of it. And those that's really my sweet spot is helping smaller businesses get the resources, the information on their people that big companies have on their people. And the it's a growing industry, it continues to grow. And now we've got people having to hire people that they've never even met in person. So I just think assessment information is even more critical today in this environment. So what kind of assessments are there? I mean, is it just, uh, is it behavioral? Is it like Myers-Briggs? Are these to test if you're going to steal? What kind of assessments are you talking about? Well, there are a lot. There, there are some of the older uh, still very good assessments, what we call four quadrant models. That would be the DISC and the Myers-Briggs. And and there's some where you're, you know, what color are you? Um, and basically, there's a category of assessments where you get to fill out, usually it's a forced word choice, and they say, what do you think you are? So that is really a self-assessment. And those are behavior styles. And those are very good tools, maybe to get your feet wet, to use in conflict resolution, maybe teams. Uh, how to read a sales prospect. And, and so there, there's some there's a role for them. But those are very, very older technology assessments. And, you know, just like in any industry, things get better and better and better. We have iPhones 11 now, you know. Mm-hmm. So the newer assessments, uh, the more current assessments were designed for business. They are not a self-subjective assessment. They actually measure you a little bit like when you used to go in the shoe store and you put your foot in that machine and measured your foot compared to me asking you, hey, Mac, what what size shoe do you think you wear? So one is you tell me what size shoe you wear. And the other category of assessments that I use more frequently in business decisions is where I'm actually putting your foot in that. I should learn the name of that machine. but um, Yeah, I remember that. It was always cold on your feet too, wasn't it? Right. And it measures, you know, how wide you are and how long you are. And so assessments um, that are designed for business today, both legally and psychometrically, which is, you know, measuring people, um, are more like that, where we can objectively measure you. And the categories of assessments are you can have attitude assessments. Do they have, you know, you can train a lot of things, skills and, and things, but you can't change work ethic and you can't change honesty. And, and and so there are there are what we call attitude assessments. Do they bring the right attitude? Then there's assessments that are for job fit or you know, will they match the job? Will they match the culture? Will they match the boss they have to work for? So that's another type of assessments. There's emotional intelligence assessments. There's skills assessments. That's another thing I'm starting to offer. I've always had, I hadn't promoted much, but if I have to be testing for Microsoft Office skills or, uh, I don't know, uh, some other kinds of things. There's, there's a company that I use and I have used for years that has hundreds of online skill testing. So skills, attitude, job fit, um, emotional intelligence, uh, leadership. We have, so there's anything you want to know about a person, you can measure, you can compare them to other people that you already know 
or yourself, and you can make better decisions. It almost seems like it's uh, like a a secret that no one really knows about. Because I mean, I I know of a few of them, but it sounds like there's an assessment for almost anything. There are. And there's great ones and there's okay ones. So one of the things I try to guide clients through is I don't represent just one company. So I'm not a test salesperson. I'm a consultant that says, what are you trying to measure? What are the objectives you want out of that? And you know, why are you measuring that? And then what's the best one that fits your budget? But I have to say, I have never set up an assessment system for any client that cost as much as one wrong hire. No, I think a lot of people don't realize what that is. And and I agree. I think it's before you commit to something, you got to get to know them, right? I mean, if you were in a relationship with another human being and wanted to move to that next step, you wouldn't do that overnight. I mean, I guess there's TV shows where you get like, what is it, 72 hours to get to know your bride and you marry her, I guess. But when I think about a business decision like that, that is very costly. So you have been in the assessment business for a long time. And then 2020 rolled in and suddenly everything is different. And now are assessments still being used? The fact that everybody's virtual or has this made them more important? Or are you seeing people move away from them? I think they're even more important, and I don't think people are moving away from them. I think they're looking for answers and information. Uh, we talked a little bit about the remote workers, you know, and the fact that people are had been successful maybe in one environment, and now we have put them in a, an environment. We found that the remote workers have four big, the biggest challenges are that they don't have that social interaction that they were used to. Um, they have to manage their own time. They you know, used to be you want to, you had a question, you would just walk down the hall and ask somebody. And so now how do we, we have communication delays and obviously the home distractions. So those four things on top of having to do the job, not everybody can do that. Or the touch points are less, you know, me as a, as a manager, I have less touch points with my employees. So they has, it has to be much more important, uh, much more right on when we spot on when we talk to them. So like, for instance, Mac, I've been, I started reading, you asked me how I got into it. I started reading a lot of advice to people, to business owners on remote workers. And just like I had gone through emotion with the employee engagement years ago, everybody's just saying, buy a ping pong table, put in a coffee machine. You know, they were doing these generic things. And I started see, and so I came up with some specific, specific actions you should do on employee engagement for success. I then saw that same thing happening with remote workers with these generic things. And they're saying things like, touch base with them every day, send them a handwritten note. Um, Now, I don't know about you, but myself, if you were my boss, Mac, and you called me every day and wanted to know what I was doing, that would annoy me. And I would think you didn't trust me. I wouldn't want to be micromanaged. Um, But now another employee might specifically need that. So how do we know that? Yeah, well, I mean, this is, you're right. Nobody could have predicted this year you know, in 2020 rolled in the biggest challenge is what do we write on the checks? Do we write 20 or 2020? I mean, yeah, I, had, who, I had heard who, to write 2020 so that they didn't, you know, fake yes. your signature, your uh, data. Yes. I heard yeah, that. I mean, remember when that was the biggest challenge that we wrestled with in 2020 and everything was rolling along just fine until, I don't know, sometime in February and then the bottom dropped out. So now everybody's forced to work remote. In fact, some of the groups that I've talked to they're like feeling really down. They said, I just bought a new plant and I can't even go to the office and it's dead. You know, mm-hmm. thank God I didn't have a fish in a fishbowl, right? No one really had a lot of warning. So managers probably didn't think this through. Their biggest challenge is how do I make sure that we have the VPN set up and I got everybody a laptop? 
But you're starting to discover that this transition did not go as well as people thought it would, right? I think some companies, and I've been on some webinars, some companies had been starting to work remotely. So I think there were some some companies that had both the technology, the mindset, and the guidelines in place and and, uh, probably transitioned better. I think some companies, like you said, were taken completely by surprise. And obviously, they had to set up the technology immediately and focus on that. Well, now we are still having to... Uh, manage these people. It's not just it's not just uh, employees. You know, students. I have uh, a 13 year old niece staying with me. Um, has been here for a couple months now with her family. Um, Isolate. You know, they were in Manhattan and they came down here. And I watched when she first started doing her remote schoolwork. She was she was pretty much on it. Had a little schedule and was doing it and doing it. Now she's sleeping later and later and doing the work later and later in the day. And I think that the weariness of this without structure, without self-awareness, without a plan is probably maybe starting to work with even those who had the had remote workers before. Yeah. I mean, the education thing, I'm seeing it because my daughter is, uh, she's uh, just finished her junior year of college. And, you know, she even said this last semester was terrible mm-hmm. because people, for one, you know, they kind of like the college experience. I mean, thankfully she didn't live on campus because she would have had to come home. That would have been bad. But um, she's actually saying, you know, it just isn't the same when you're there in front of somebody. And, you know, my wife teaches at a local college in Clarksville and she says, yeah, you know, because I actually guest lectured for some of her students earlier in the term and I found them to be really engaged and we had a great time. And then some of them just dropped off the map and a lot of them ended up failing. And I thought really the same group that I guess lectured failed. She's like, yeah, it's like they did a little work and then they just fell off. So is it the lack of structure in this virtual environment that has been the biggest challenge or is there something else? Well, I started our, our conversation. I'll come back to it with, with what I see are the four biggest challenges. And that is the social interaction that you just mentioned. Mm hmm. Um, time management, you, the day just happens, you know, <laughs> so, yeah. I, so I have to have a schedule and then I have to have a way of communicating to my coworkers, the rest of my team, my boss, my customers, whatever. And then maybe we're homeschooling and I'll just other, everybody's here at home and the other distractions. So we, we need to know how those affect each worker. I am not a good structured person. That's not by nature. I, you know, as far as something that with, with everything planned out, I like to be a go with the flow kind of gal. Mm-hmm. Managing me requires that I that you push me to have a schedule to be on to, to know that I'm going to from this time to this time I'm going to do that. That may become that may be much more natural for some other people. So maybe I don't have to work on that with them. I have to work on. Um, how they have to work on their own, the independence that they have, that there's nobody telling them what to do. Now, you don't have to tell me what to do, but you have to tell me to have a schedule to do it. Another person might need, has a great schedule, but they're not quite sure what they should do first. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess, so we know the problem now. The problem is we were, and maybe that's the best way to have a change happen. Because I know I heard the same thing. We want to go to a more remote workforce, but there's always pushback, right? We know some people are lazy in the office, so we know they'll be lazy at home. Well, that caused everybody to hesitate with this, but now we're in it and it's like, okay, now we ripped the bandaid off. Some are bleeding and others are doing just fine. It's an issue. It really is. And and I don't like to timestamp the podcast, but here we are. And today is May the, what is it? The, the 14th? 15th. 
14th, 14th. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Every day seems like Monday or Saturday, doesn't it? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So we're, we're so it's Thursday the 14th right now. So we're well into this. We've defined the problem, but you've seen enough, Jennifer, to know that there's some things that we can do. The managers who are listening in, the HR professionals who are listening in, that we can set them up for success. So can you give us a list of what we ought to be looking at right now? Because we're committed to this. And I don't even know when this is going to end, but I don't think it's going to be ending by Labor Day. And even if we do get to whatever our end looks like, there's I'm reading things that 20% of workers may stay remote. And, and I think it's, I mean, so we don't even know where this is going to be, even when we're back to what we would call normal if we ever are. And yeah, I do have, I, I like I said, I've been reading a lot of things and I, um, I said, how, how do we help managers? Not only the information that I'm talking about with assessments. So here's, here's some tips I'd like to give to your listeners. One is have clear expectations of the actions and the results that you want from your people. And the more metric you can make that, the better. Obviously, in sales, we're really used to that. How many calls did you make? What was your activity? That kind of thing. But everybody can have expectations and metrics when it's due, what you want done, um, so that's one expectations with um, actions and results and have metrics. And then you, you need to make sure that they have all the tools they need working remotely, not just the technology, but materials and just whatever your business is. So do they have the tools they need? Um, and you need a communication plan. I talked about before that, uh, you know, communication delays. Well, if you, how often are you going to meet? What's your agenda when we do meet? And how are you going to handle unforeseen situations where that require support or answers. So many times I've been going on these Zoom meetings and they just ramble on. So I'm really... They, but they rambled on when they were in those in-person boring meetings too, didn't they? They probably did. They probably did. Uh, but what might have been something that, you know, we all in the room together, you can do. It's, I think maybe in a way it's, it's even more accentuated in the remote environment so problems that we had in the office are going to be worse on a remote situation. Um, so if we didn't ever have an agenda before and we rambled, at least we were all sitting there and realized we rambled and somebody might say, hey, what's, what's we doing? Now, as, the, as a leader, you got to know what your agenda is and a, a time frame of meeting. That's, that's maybe part of that schedule we, we need in our work today. And then you want to know, you want to know your people even better. You aren't, re- you're not seeing them as much. So you have to, if you know them, you don't have to see them. You know what they're going to struggle with. Um, who needs the process? Who needs the structure? Who needs the more interaction? I was asked the other day, what do you do with an employee who texts you and pages you all the time? Or not pages, that's a long word. Who texts <laughs> <laughs> dating me. <laughs> Who texts you and um, calls you and uh, yeah. and they said, "What do we do?" And I said, "Well, that's probably not new behavior for them. They probably came in your office all the time before. They're just either the social interaction. They need your advice. They wanted to get your input on it. So these people aren't going to change very much. And you need to know who they are and what they're going to need. Um, you know, who some of this is more stressful times for them, and who is that and Who's more comfortable making decisions? I think you're going to find some great things out of this when we have some of these things in place. You're going to find people who have to make decisions on their own because you're just not able to do it for them every step of the way because you're not there. And I think 
either they're going to rise to the occasion and you're going to find some maybe new talent here too. Yeah, I love that. Well, the challenge I see too is that, you know, if we don't have a schedule, when does the workday start? When does it stop? Are we measuring, you know, time that you're on the computer? Because I know there's apps out there and there's programs now where you can actually see when an employee is logging on and what they're doing. I mean, is that going to change now? Are we going to have tighter controls so that we're spying on people? What do you think? That's a great question, Mac. And I'm really excited that you asked that because we go back to what I was talking about, employee engagement. Millennials and now the new generation, uh, Gen Z that's going into work, they they like to be in charge. They like to know what you know where they fit in and what they do. So I wouldn't I wouldn't waste or I wouldn't spend the time or the money focusing necessarily on the hours worked. If you have clear expectation like and of actions and results with metrics, like I said before, focus on the work completed. And I think you'll get more employee engagement if they know what they're supposed to do, how they fit in, all those employee engagement kinds of things. How do I fit in? What's my role here? What do you expect from me? And then you check on the expectations and the results and not, I could work six hours and I can be in my office six hours and get nothing done. So that's Mm -hmm. not necessarily the best thing. Yeah. Well, I think that's the way, I mean, I've worked for myself for so long but I know. I mean, there's some days that I'm not going to have anything to do. So I'm not going to just come into my virtual office and sit here and stare at the computer. I could do that from home. But I remember when I was working for people, I mean, I worked for a trade association in Washington, D.C. back in 2000, 2001. And I would get there at seven in the morning because I had to get there early to get a uh, parking spot at the metro station. Mm -hmm. We we didn't start work till 930. I had all my work done before anybody even came in the office. The rest of the day, I'm sitting here staring at a computer screen like, oh, my God, this is the longest day ever. And then by about two in the afternoon, everybody wants to start having their meetings. And then we work till 530. And I thought, what a waste. I could sit at home and do this job from home. And now we have the opportunity to actually demonstrate that. I mean, is it possible we get back to the original idea of work and a job as not just time in the office, but accomplishment? Absolutely. That's that's what I've been trying to tell everybody. Like I said, focus on the work completed, the outcomes, the metrics you're aiming for. And when that's done, if you can get that done in four hours instead of eight, you know, there's a, there's a lot of other things that maybe can be happening in those other four hours. It's the outcomes that you're looking for, not just the hourly, you know, clock ticking. Yeah. Well, I mean, there'll probably be some, you know, legal things you have to contend with, but it makes total sense. And I think too, with the virtual environment that we're in, at least the things that I'm hearing is like, it's going to make acquiring talent a little bit different too, because now if I'm a tech company in, uh, I don't know, San Jose, California, and there's a really talented individual that lives in Van Leer, Tennessee, I can actually hire them without them saying, I don't want to go to San Jose because I won't be able to afford a place to live. I mean, we conceivably could have that now, right? Yes. I've heard people say uh, that the, the, um, the pool, the talent pool can be expanded. You don't even have to have it be in the United States. I'm not saying that we should go outside the country because we all need jobs. It definitely expands your talent pool if people don't have to move. And there's a cost to that too. Well, yeah, I think, well, I mean, really even offering our programs now virtually, companies don't have to pay for travel anymore. So I think it's more affordable. It just makes sense. I mean, we are in 2020 after all, where 
we really shouldn't have to be relying on old school ways to do things. But there are a lot of people who I have talked to who cannot wait to get back into the office and be around the people and have that. We're also built for community. And I think some need it more than others. And again, that's why it's good to know your people individually who can who can still function well in a remote environment and, and you retain that talent and who needs to come in. And now I've heard businesses say they don't, maybe they don't need as big an office as they've had and uh, things like that. From where you sit, Jennifer. Um, so let's hypothetically say that maybe somebody comes up with a vaccine. Let's just say a miracle happens. And by Christmas, COVID-19 has been beat and it's totally done. And so starting in January, 2021, everybody goes back to normal. Do you think that we will have a different and deeper knowledge of people's personalities because we have seen them in a virtual environment? Or do you think that it's going to be a lot harder to get to know people because we've only seen them virtually? That's interesting. I think I have seen people who don't know their people and they work with them side by side every day. So if they're struggling without assessment information to know their people. Yes, only having interaction with them virtually, maybe hiring them virtually and never having had the opportunity to meet them in person. Um, I think then there's going to be a lot of learning that will have to happen out of that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just wonder because, you know, I can only tell you from, you know, my team. So I have Lisa and Lisa and I get to see each other maybe once a year. And I've known Lisa before uh, we even moved to Tennessee. But Rachel, my other team member, I've only met her one time and she's worked with us now for going on two years. And yet, because we have, we just, before our podcast today, I had a virtual meeting where they're, you know, we're on Zoom together, but I've done those. And, and, you know, it looks like Rachel might've just rolled out of the bed. And, you know, I think right now people are like, I'm just going to show up. I don't care. I'm not going to comb my hair or whatever. And it's almost like, I feel like I know them better because I've seen them in this more vulnerable place. Like, you know, like I know them and I don't want to sound creepy, but I know them better because I've not seen them in that professional place. So I almost feel like we are almost a little bit closer. I'm just wondering if that's going to happen with um, with companies, because some of our customers and one in particular, he just said, let's have a virtual happy hour one day. So we did. It was like mm-hmm. five o'clock his time. We both got a drink and sat in front of the computer and we just just kind of talked about whatever. And I feel like I am closer to some people now because there's less of a facade, even though we're talking through computer screens. So I'm just wondering what it's going to look like. And you probably don't know the answer. Maybe we could build an assessment on that, right? Maybe. Some of the things I heard you just say, and I I think that they were spot on. You mentioned, I think, in all of those, there was a a theme that I heard, and that was a relationship. Mm -hmm. I have a virtual assistant that I've worked with for five or six years. We've only met in person one time. She's in Charlotte, uh, North Carolina, and I just happened to be in a meeting there, and, and she came. But we see each other on Zoom. We have common goals. We strat, you know, we we're working together. We're we have personal conversations about you know what's with her son or what they did last week or another vacation. And then we get to we work together and we have built a trust. There's people I've met on Zoom for years and then maybe go to a conference and run into them. And I feel like I know them. So it's the it's the interaction, the relationship, the the building building the, you know together i don't know what the word i'm looking for is but you, you mentioned all of those in each of those people yeah it well, was not just work it was just knowing them a little bit deeper but i want to go back and say i still try to dress up for zoom meetings not 
dress up, but I mean, I don't show up in my pajamas for, I have a, I try to be, have a professional image on my Zoom meetings. Mm -hmm. Well, I think too, because you and I, when we're in front of an audience, that's the audience that we would go to a conference and speak to. So yeah, you didn't roll out of the bed and just go and stand up in front of a group of people. So, um, but I guess my thought is that in an office environment, over time, people are probably getting more and more comfortable with just sort of showing up. I mean, my son and his girlfriend were staying with us for a couple of months. They just left last week. And I, I came home and I, my son walks out of my office and he's got his dress shirt, tie, and a, and a sport coat on and a pair of running shorts. I said, what were you doing? It's like I had a, a an interview on Zoom. So I thought, wow, that's really kind of funny how, you know, now we have this combination of I'm comfortable and yet I'm going to put on my suit, at least half of it. So I don't know. It's just, I don't know. We're learning things about people that we never would probably have gotten to know. So I guess my mind's always working in the future. Like, what's it going to be like when we've sort of seen each other? That's what I think companies try to accomplish when they do these offsite retreats, right? You go with the executive team and you, you know, you do ropes courses and trust falls and walk around on hot coals and your bare feet because you want to get to know what people are like outside of the office. And maybe we could look at COVID-19 as this grand um, offsite experience, right? Right, right. Um, when, it made me think too, when you talked about your son, it made me think too that I think the people who like are the newscasters, I think they do that same thing. They may have shorts on underneath. Well, they ca- they caught that guy on yeah. ABC this morning or something. They saw his leg hanging out or something. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> I guess it's possible. But uh, the other thing I think might happen, and I'd be curious, you've made me start to think about this, and that is. It used to be people sort of dressed up for work. Mm-hmm. And then we had casual Friday. And then we had, okay, now you can dress casually. I am wondering what people are going to wear to work when they do get to go back to work. Is it going to be so casual? I can't time sometimes tell who's the worker when I go, go into a department store. Who's the worker and who's the shopper? Because everybody's in jeans. Yeah, that's true. Well, I think the big... Uh, indicator will be what clothes will you be able to fit into <laughs> after all this? I can tell you personally, I mean, I got all the time in the world to work out and I'm getting lazier by the day. So um, I, yeah, I don't think we're, I think it doesn't really matter, Jennifer, because we're all going to have to buy new clothes, at least me anyway. Well, that will be good for the economy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. Well, well then let's, let's end with this. Let's talk about the business owner who right now has the fortune of being able to hire because with unemployment at like 14% or whatever it is now, I mean, it would be so awesome to be able to say, yeah, we're hiring. What would a business owner need to know if they're going to start hiring people right now? Well, you know, the good news is there's probably a lot of people looking for work right now. Mm -hmm. Whereas before when unemployment was at three and a half, it was hard to find good people because most of the people were working. So if they, if you have to hire now, my first thing I would say is don't be afraid to do it. Go hire people. There's people out there looking for work, but you might have to be doing it a little bit differently. Um, if I can just throw this in, uh, a partner and I have a, a website called Sales Hiring Straight Talk. It's, it's specifically to hire salespeople, but the concept, the six steps that we have you do would apply to any hiring. So saleshiringstraighttalk.com, we've actually done some things, uh, done some podcasts on how to do the system in a virtual way where you're never going to meet the person in person. So I would say still do it. You, you definitely need to have a process and some guidelines. So uh, the, the podcasts are, are free. Um, 
the um, one of the assessments I talked about before, if you uh, the the company Best Work Data on the remote workers assessment, they are giving it to any company who wants it. So even if you don't have a lot of money or you're a small business, you can still have access to this assessment. If you go to my website, assessmentpros.com, you can get a little bit more information there or reach out to me. So I would say you need to go ahead and hire. Don't be afraid to do it. Uh, Use assessments for the information that you have to definitely supplement today that that you always needed, but even more critically now. But you really need to know what you're looking for and what you want them to do, even more so than ever. Well, that's great. I'm glad to hear that, Jennifer, because for a lot of us, what we did before the isolation and quarantine is almost irrelevant. But you're making the case that now more than ever, the assessment should be an important part of your process, right? Yes. And a part of it, you're still going to use your experience. You're still going to use your knowledge. You know your company and your and your job better than anybody. But you don't know this person. You will know them once you hire them and you'll get to know them better. Try to know them a little bit more before you hire them to make sure they're the right person for you. And that's where assessments help. So again, how do we reach out to you, Jennifer, to find out more about the assessments and more specifically, how you can help somebody through this process? I would say the easy starting point is assessmentpros.com. So assessments is plural. No, assessment is singular. Pros is plural. Assessmentpros.com. There's a couple things on that website um, because I'm committed to helping businesses survive this. One is the remote worker option that they have. The other is there's under my resources banner. I am writing, I'm putting anything I can find on getting people back to work, um, legal things, uh, what the government is saying. So a one-stop resource page called COVID Resources. The the law firms that I have information that I'm referencing on my site are Roanoke, Virginia law firms. However, they're posting things that are sometimes federal government or you know universal. So it's not, you don't have to be from Roanoke to access that information. But it's like the Department of Health and how to, what's the things you have to do when you're bringing people back, taking their temperatures, that kind of stuff. Anything I'm finding, I'm putting up there. That's great. Well, Jennifer, I have really enjoyed catching up with you. Um, we talked about this earlier. There's some people who you've got to know virtually, and when you meet them in person, you feel like you've known them your whole life. Well, I got to actually meet you in person once. And we've just stayed in touch this way. So I feel like I've known you my whole life, but it's really great to have you on the show. And thank you so much for sharing information that frankly, we all need because we really have have no, like there's no really cookbook on how to do this, right? Right. And Mac, I I love what you do. I share your passion to get those uh, first line supervisors, first line bosses built up, which you do so well. And I just love the fact that uh, I can help you help be part of that. And I thank you for the invite today. Well, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Boss Builder Podcast, the podcast for those of you who are new to supervision, those of you in the role and struggling, and even those of you who are thinking about one day making the important transition to management. This podcast is just one resource we have. If you check out our website at greatbosstools.com, you can view some other resources we have there. We'd love to have you as part of our courses. If you're listening to this podcast on any podcast app, we'd also appreciate you taking a few moments to give us a review. Positive, of course, it really helps us out. So with that, take care and get out there and make it your goal to be the absolute best boss ever. (laughs) 